Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Here we go. A couple birthday shout-outs. First of all, Caleb Scheel, Bob Noble, and Ellie Raganis. Uh, also, next week we have a special guest speaker, another Wilson, but Matthew Wilson. It's the third different uh, guest Wilson coming up here, so Matthew will be next week. And also want to let everybody know about the baptism, September 6th at Lewis Island, 10 o'clock in the morning. We're going to also celebrate communion and have a picnic. Bring your own picnic. Can't share food this time, but uh, bring your own picnic. So that's all on September 6th. If you're interested in being baptized, talk to me ASAP. See me ASAP, okay? So for today, the title is Open Your Eyes. Open Your Eyes, 2 Kings 6, 8 through 17. Open Your Eyes. And uh, to start things off, just want to give a, do a shout out, but also make an announcement. Nate and Mariah had their third anniversary. I think I got that right. Their third anniversary. And as a special present for their third anniversary, they have, they have a new brother for James. A new brother for James. And uh, I have a picture right here. He was supposed to be live, but he's napping and he won't wake up. And they don't want to wake him up for me or get him out because he'll be crying and upset. So I'm going to have to go with the picture here, as you can see. Now, he's sleeping and his eyes are usually shut. In the picture, they're pretty much shut, I'm guessing. And anytime we get a picture of him, they're shut. Once in a while, they just see these little slits. He sleeps a lot. And even when his eyes are open, he can't really see very well. You know, babies have blurry vision for weeks, maybe even a month. They're not really sure. Uh, they can't ask them. But anyway, they, we know that they can't see that well for the its first month. But that's okay for a baby. Babies are supposed to sleep a lot. But it would be sad if... <clears throat> it would be sad if J uh, Lucas, baby Lucas, did I call him James? Anyway, I'm already mixing him up. But anyway, be sad if baby Lucas uh, <clears throat> was five and sleeping all the time, or 15, or 25, or 55, where uh, every time you, you know, saw him, his eyes were shut. That would be tragic, right? That would be, that would be sad. Yet that is a case for many people spiritually. Even Christians, many Christians spiritually never learn to open their eyes. They never learn to see with the eyes of faith and to discern spiritually. And that's what we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes today. I pray that we would, if, if our eyes are closed and we've never put our faith in Jesus, never seen him as our Savior, your one and only Son, our Savior, we've never seen that, that they, we would see that today and become uh, Christians following Jesus Christ. And for those who are already Christians, Lord, that we would, we would see things from your perspective and see things spiritually and, and have a biblical worldview. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict and work in our hearts and in our minds today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to see a story today from the life of Elisha, which tells us to open our spiritual eyes. Open our spiritual eyes. 2 Kings 6, starting with verse 8. If you have your Bible, you can follow along or just listen. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. 
the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king of ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city oh my lord what shall we do that servant asked don't be afraid the prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed oh lord open his eyes so he may see then the lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha Wow, what a passage here, what a passage. Here we go. Now, the king of Aram, which is probably Ben-Hadad, we're going to see him as we go along further in the story, but probably Ben-Hadad, we'll call him Benny for short, he is trying to capture the king of Israel, most likely Joram, King Joram of Israel. Now, remember, this is the other side of the Holy Spirit sandwich that we looked at last time. Remember, we saw the iron floats last time, and we saw that, that God can do the impossible, that was the whole point of the iron floating. God can do the impossible. And <clears throat> that was that was the, the, the center of the sandwich. The first piece of bread, which is what we looked at earlier, was that Elisha healed Naaman, the Gentile Aramean leper. The Gentile Aramean leper, Naaman, he heals him. And then the iron floats, and now we come to the next piece of bread. So the healing of Naaman was the first piece of bread. Iron floating is the center of the sandwich, the, the meat. And then the next part of the sandwich is what we're seeing here. And this is part one when, when, when they try to capture the king of Israel and try to capture Elisha. Part two, wait till we see next time uh, what God, God's power does to the entire Aramean army. So healing the Aramean, loaf of bread, Iron floats, and then the next piece of bread is is what God does to the whole Aramean army. All right, it's just an amazing, amazing story. So, sandwich first layer. We saw Ben Hadad's right hand man, which was Naaman, gets healed of leprosy in Israel. Remember, a little review here. First slice of bread. Uh, the, many times we see in the Bible that. The Holy Spirit creates a sandwich. He, he puts two events around a certain teaching or an event, and it's all woven together for a purpose. And the first layer of bread was Ben-Hadad's right-hand man, Naaman, gets healed of leprosy in Israel. So how does Benny return the favor? He tries to trap the king of Israel. And then he attacks him, as we will see. He's going to actually attack him later on. But if we look at the type, the picture that this is showing us, this is all spiritual type spiritual picture, physical picture of a New Testament spiritual reality. If we look at the type, it's easy to understand why Benny goes after the king of Israel and after Elisha. It's, we, we can see why. Because whenever we help a lost soul, a lost soul find ultimate healing, salvation and freedom in Christ. Whenever we help anybody find salvation in Christ and then freedom in Christ, we can expect 
that person's ruler to come after us. We can expect that person's king to come after us. And we all know who that is. The king of the lost souls, the king of the damned, is Satan himself. He hates it when we steal his POWs. He hates that. And he hates us for that. So this is a picture of that. But Benny, Ben-Hadad, can't catch Joram because Elisha keeps giving away his plans. It reminds me, he, he knows the plans already. It reminds me of what happened in World War II. Some of you might even remember what happened in World War II. Some of you. Uh, in World War II, when we were fighting the Germans and then the Japanese, after we defeated the Germans, we were still fighting the Japanese, we <clears throat> got a hold of the Japanese code. We had it figured out. We could completely decipher. We knew what their messages they were sending to each other. And if you watch the Midway movie, the movie about Midway, great movie, it's out now, I think you can get it for free now, you see how they knew the code. They broke the code. The code breakers broke the code. And because of that, they were able to win the Battle of Midway. That was a huge part of winning the Battle of Midway was breaking that code. They knew what they, the Japanese Navy was going to do. And also on top of that, the, uh, and on top of that, we also had, uh, we also had many Japanese American military people, soldiers in our, in our military, Japanese American men who spoke Japanese fluently, and they were a huge part of our military intelligence. So between having the code and having these Japanese American soldiers, who, who sadly their families were put in intern camps, but even though their families were in intern camps, they were still fighting heroically for the United States. And having these men, these Japanese-American soldiers, was a huge part of our intelligence and how we were able to not only crack the code, but, but to interpret and, and, and know what, what they were saying. It was, just, it was just crazy, the advantage that we had. And that's what Elisha was doing. He cracked the code. He, could, he knew exactly what Benny was saying. So Ben-Hadad is mad. Ben-Hadad is ticked. He's ticked off. He thinks there's a deep state traitor. He thinks it's deep state. There's a traitor, somebody committing treason. He's very, very upset about this. He may even suggest, even suspect who? Naaman, because we all know Naaman was pro-Israel. That's where he got his healing and salvation. He actually worshipped Israel's God, Jehovah, the one true God. He worshipped him. So I'm sure he was a suspect here, even though the king he was the king's right-hand man. He had to be suspecting him, hoping that wasn't him, but suspecting. But in verse 12, look what <clears throat> someone says, and I believe this was Naaman who said this, because he's the one who knows. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. That had to be Naaman, right? Because he knew Elisha, knew what he could do, and he says, it's not me. <laughs> He's probably trying to make sure he doesn't suspect him. It's not me. It's Elisha. So Ben Benny changes his strategy. Instead of trying to catch King Joram, he says, let's go after Elisha. And we read that a few minutes ago. He decides to send the army after Elisha, which is really kind of dumb, right? I mean, it's really, it's really stupid. If he knows, if Elisha knows what Ben-Hadad is planning and how to catch, catch the king of Israel, he'll know this plan too. <laughs> he knows them both. He, he gets all the plans. You know, he can read the code, right? But this is a picture of the unregenerate man. 
the man who does not have the Holy Spirit, the man who has never found salvation and received the Holy Spirit and the, and the heart and mind is, is not been enlightened. Instead, the unregenerate man, everyone, woman, man, child, unregenerate, our minds and hearts are darkened until the Holy Spirit comes in and we find salvation through Jesus Christ. And we see this, you know, dark mind and dark heart, which is a picture of what we see so much in the USA today. We see this going on, incredible spiritual darkness with the vast majority of Americans right now. It's, it's just really, really sad. But verse 15, he sends the army. Verse 15, when the, uh, the Benny sends the army. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So the servant wakes up and panics. Who is this servant? We don't know. We're not told his name, but we know it wasn't Gehazi because Gehazi is now the leper. Remember, we just did that story. But Elisha, his servant panics, but Elisha does not panic. Verse 16, it says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. This is the most common command in the Bible. Did you know that? Don't be afraid, or some variation of that is the most common command in the Bible. Why? Because there's a lot that can make us afraid, and we are prone to it, right? We're very humanly prone to becoming fearful. But we cannot let this emotion, it's a command in the Bible, which means that we can overcome this. God wouldn't command us to do something we couldn't do. We can, it's, it, we cannot let this emotion control us as Christian. Fear is the opposite of faith. We, every day we gotta choose faith or fear. Faith or fear. We gotta make that decision all the time. And the, and the, and the key is God's word and the promises in God's word. It says, once again, the most common command, 365 times in scripture, don't be afraid. That's one for every day of the year. Get it? <laughs> Get them all and every day cover one of them and just keep going through them every year. Every day focus on one of those promises. But there's a reason why we don't have to be afraid. Verses 16 and 17, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow, amazing, amazing. Uh, there's there's a reason why we don't have to fear. Remember the, my sermon a while back, God's got this? Well, we can put this part too, really. God's always got had it. He's, he's had it all the way. He's had it all the, all the whole time. God always has it. God doesn't just have this coronavirus pro, you know, crisis. He's got everything in his hands. He had it the whole way, the whole time. He always does. Yes, they're facing a huge army, huge army, but God's army is a lot bigger and it has a lot more firepower, <laughs> a lot more firepower. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you there's been that time in your life that you have been born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. A lot of people say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born again Christian. Ah, no such thing. Jesus said, you must be born again. If you don't know what I'm talking about, keep listening because I'm going to tell you how at the end, how to be born again. But if you have never had a spiritual birth, just like you had a physical birth, Jesus said you must have a spiritual birth. If you have never had that, if you don't know for sure, if you can't remember, even remember that time, not that you have to remember the exact date, but you have to know it happened. If you have never been born again, you are not a Christian. That's right. You do not know Jesus Christ. 
you must be born again. We're going to come to that at the end. All right, we're going to get to that. The only way to be born again is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just going to say it. Right after Jesus said, you must be born again, John 3.16 comes right after that. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You must believe in Jesus. You must put your faith in Jesus in order to be born again. I'm going to give you a chance to do that at the very end. Don't go away. Now, <clears throat> if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are born again. You have an, an army of angels protecting you. Just like Elisha here. They are at God's disposal. He, and he can send them wherever he wants. And they outnumbered the enemy. We know a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven and they became Satan's demons. We know that. But the other two thirds are on God's side. Not that God even needs them. Why he has this, just like we're in battles, you know, uh, spiritual battles here on earth, he has the angels versus the demons in their own spiritual battles. It's all achieving something in their lives, just like it's achieving something in our life. It's not, it's not God versus Satan. That's a joke. That's like me fighting an ant. Step on the ant, right? No, no. God allows Michael and the angels to fight against Satan. That's who's fighting Satan is the angels. He's just the, he's just the, the top demon, right? And but but God has incredible power. But He uses these angels. He, we see in Scripture over and over. If you haven't listened to my. Uh, prophecy ser- sermons yet when i did daniel at the end of daniel when we see the, the spiritual warfare going on listen to that we're going to go into revelation see a lot more of that listen to that that end times series but but the there is a constant spiritual battle going on and god can send his angels anywhere at any time to fight they're at his disposal he can do it very quickly I just finished reading a book on General George Patton, you know, the, the tank commander of World War II. Fascinating story. And they said the reason that he won his battles, especially the Battle of the Bulge, how he won it, was be, he could move his tanks and army at shocking speeds. No, they could not, the, the Germans said, he's your man. He's the best general you've got. Uh, he, he, we can't keep up with this guy. We never know what this guy's gonna do. Patton could move his tanks and army over impossible conditions at lightning speed where they were needed the most. That's why he won these incredible victories and battles. Shocking. Watch the movie. The movie's great, George C. Scott. But, but the, that's exactly what we know God can do. He's got his angels. They're right where he wants them at any time. Our God is even faster than George Patton. A lot faster. You're talking about zip. You know, they're, they're in a blink of an, uh, of an eye. In fact, he can also not just move them quickly, but he can read Satan's mind. Just like Elisha knew what, what the Ben-Hadad was doing. He can read Satan's mind and, and, and move even before Satan thinks something. Satan thinks he might be winning something, but no, no, God's way ahead of him. Read the book of Revelation. It's all there. Uh, we know what's going to happen. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of the uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I, I really enjoy those movies, especially the first couple. The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, remember he had his, the, the, the Wimpy Kid had his big brother Roderick, and one time he tried to get out of something, out of the basement. Roderick had him locked in the basement, and he tried to get out using the phone and all this, and, and Roderick catches him and thwarts him and says, listen, I know what you're thinking before you even thunk it. <laughs> And that's God. Before Satan even thunks something, God knows what he's thinking. God has got this. God's got this. He has it all the way. He will do his part. 
We're surrounded by his protective hand, by his, his, his protective hand, by his angels, by his power. He will do his part, but will we do ours? And somehow we're connected. Angels, demons, us fighting our spiritual battles. Somehow our battle is connected with the angels and demons. We're going to see that when we get the book of Revelation and our prophecy. But it, we're connected. Who, I can't fully understand it, but we are definitely connected. The, we, God will do his part. He's got the, the, the horses and chariots of fire all around us. Will we do our part? Will we, the, the question is, will we live by faith? Will we open our eyes and see with the eyes of faith? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, faith, not by sight. Some versions say, For we live by faith, not by sight. The idea is we live or walk by faith. Not by sight. Will we open our eyes and see with the eyes of faith? Will we learn to see in every challenge that we face, every spot that we get in, just like Elisha was in a tight spot, will we see, see that God's got this? And he has had it all the way. He has had it all the way. Will we pray in faith, God, whatever I'm in this spot for, will you complete your purpose, fulfill your purpose for your glory? That's a, that is the prayer of the Bible. God, your purpose for your glory. In my life, whatever it is, whether I like it or not, whether it's easy or not, whatever it is, your purpose for your glory. Will we pray that way? Will we pray that way for our own life? Will we pray that way for our families? Will we pray that way for our ministries, for our, our job situations, for, for the, the coming elections? Will we pray, God, your purpose for your glory? Now what we want, what do you want? What will revive your church? What will refine your church? What will prepare us for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Will we pray that way? And that, that is the key. We, the only way that we can live and pray with with this kind of faith, in this kind of faith, is if we open our eyes to the spiritual reality. The only way we can do that is if we really know the Word and we see what the Word teaches, like just with these horses and chariots of fire and a lot of other verses very similar to that. The only way we can pray that way and in that kind of faith is we open our eyes to the spiritual reality. We are in a spiritual war. A spiritual war. A spiritual war which involves angels and demons. And I already talked about Daniel Revelation. If you ever read the book, This Present Darkness, it's, it's a fiction, but it's also a very biblical idea. It gives a vivid picture of the how that it works together. This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness Part 2. Uh, really, really good. Uh, also, Lord Falgren's Letters by Elkhorn, Randy Elkhorn, Lord Falgren's Letters and the Ishbane Conspiracy, Part 1, Part 2. They do a, a tremendous job of showing the, the spiritual war and how we're all connected together. But we are in a spiritual war which involves angels and demons. And Elisha here gives us a glimpse of what is invisible to the naked eye, to the natural eye of man, the natural naked eye. He gives us a glimpse here of what is invisible to us, but what is reality. And a lot of people say, ah, I don't know if I believe it. Listen, we can't see the coronavirus. Has anybody seen it? We can't see it with our eye. It's invisible to our eyes, but we know it's real <laughs> because we see its effects. It's dominating our lives, you know? Uh, and, <clears throat> and if you get a strong enough microscope, you can see that virus. 
And that is a picture of God's Word. God's Word is that super spiritual microscope that shows us what's really going on, the battle that we're really fighting, the spiritual virus of sin, the spiritual virus of, of the demonic that we're really fighting. And it tells us, God's Word tells us that we have angels protecting us, guiding us, fighting for us, fighting with us, fighting with us. And it's a good thing because there are demons fighting against us. It's a good thing we have angels fighting with us because the Bible also says there are demons fighting against us. The spiritual microscope in God's Word says there are demons fighting against us. For our struggle, Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. That's who we are fighting. It's a spiritual battle. We think we're fighting this crazy person or that crazy person, but we're not. They're just prisoners of war. They're just zombies. We're going to talk about that next week. They're just zombies following, you know, the, the evil vibes that they're being given. <clears throat> we, we are really fighting at Satan and the spiritual forces of evil. That's our real battle. And, the, and Satan and the demons, they're constantly trying to keep us from salvation. But once we're saved, they've lost us, but then they try to slow down our sanctification. And if, and, and they try to stunt our spiritual growth. They try to neutralize. If they've lost us to, to Jesus, we're saved, we're, we're His now. They can't take us away from Jesus, but they can, they can neutralize us by deceiving us, by tempting us, getting us to do something that's self-destructive. <clears throat> Spiritually, they can blind us to the truth. They can take us out. They can take us out if we allow them. If we're not on our guard, they can take us out. <coughs> they can keep us from sharing our faith and helping other people find freedom in Christ, freeing other prisoners of war just like we were at one time. They can keep us from doing that. We must open our eyes. We must keep our spiritual eyes open. We are, too many of us are like little baby Lucas. Our eyes are closed. We're not seeing anything. We never grow up. We never, we never stop drinking milk. We never go to the, the meat and potatoes of God's word, the deep, deep teaching. We never go into that deep teaching. Hebrews, uh, that Hebrews talks about we must open our eyes. We are in a spiritual battle. We are involved in spiritual warfare. If you don't like it, <laughs> well, you can either learn to fight or you're a prisoner of war or you're being taken out. You know, there's no choice. We are in a spiritual war. And we see it all around us. The USA has vivid pictures. We see <clears throat> what's going on with the rioters now. The rioters. The rioters are now burning Bibles. Have you been following it? No, because the media does not report on it, right? If, we are, if they burned a Koran, it would be all over the place. Or if they, you know, something like that. But no, no, no. They're burning Bibles and attacking churches. Attacking churches all over the place. It's unbelievable the number of churches that have been attacked. But most of us are ignorant because the media hides the truth. Not all the media, but the vast majority of the media hides the truth. I have been warning you. I have been warning everyone. I've been warning you that any movement that preaches social justice while killing babies, any movement that preaches social justice while killing babies is demonic. Demonic. Any group that kills babies is demonic. You know, we've, it's been exposed. We have been, we've been talking about that. The, the worship of Baal and Moloch. It's being exposed. It's demonic and it's being exposed. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and, and, and see what is going on. It's, it's, it's demonic. 
And so many are being deceived by this. I was even talking not too long ago to a, a, a graduate of a Christian college near us. Uh, was once a really solid Christian school. Slipping, slipping. And I was shocked by this girl's worldview. It was not biblical. And, and I remember she, I was talking to her and she didn't like what I was preaching. And, you know, and she's like, I believe in social justice. Uh, I don't really, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate abortion, but it's not really that big a deal. Social justice is what's important. And I said, any justice that doesn't include in, uh, protecting the life of a baby is not justice. That's a counterfeit. Amos 5.24. I keep saying this. Memorize it. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Any true justice has to have righteousness connected. If it doesn't have righteousness, it's not justice. It's a counterfeit. It's a demonic lie. A demonic lie. Uh, abortion is demonic. It's demonic. It's the same thing we saw with Elijah and child sacrifice with Moloch and the Baals. It's the USA Today. We're sacrificing these babies to demons just like they did with Israel. And that's what's why Israel was judged. That's why Judah was judged. But God's last straw, study scripture, the last straw was the killing of the babies, the sacrifice of the babies. That was the final straw for God. And anyone or any group that fights for or supports the killing of babies is doing the devil's work. Any, anyone, individual, that goes for individuals, that goes for religious groups, that goes for political groups, anyone or anything that, that does not, that, that supports the killing and condones and, and, and excuses the killing of babies is demonic. And if you are an individual that believes that, you have your mind, you are, you are a zombie. You are, you are a demonic zombie being controlled by Satan. I'm telling you, wait till we see next time when we see what happens with the blinded Arameans. You wait, you're going to see a picture of what you are if you can't see something this basic. It's shocking. This, this girl is a Christian, Christian and Christian graduate college graduate believing these lies. It was shocking to me. Uh, she's a spiritual zombie. She's a, well, we'll get to that next time. We, listen, we are in a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. And most Christians in the United States today are blind to it. They're being blinded. They're being blinded. We, I'm just going to connect a couple of dots. Drugs, drugs. Everybody's trying to legalize pop. You know, forget all the other stuff, but just even legalizing pot. Our governor's trying to do this. That's demonic. Pot itself is a demonic doorway. A demonic doorway that will, in time, will dominate someone. It, anything that takes away our self-will, anything that, that takes away our will or, or weakens that is a demonic doorway. It, and not only that, you can see what pot does. It blunts the potential. It, 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 it blunts the emotions. It gets in the way of relationships. And then it becomes addictive. And that's when, the, then it's a really a demonic stronghold at that time. And it's a doorway into many other far worse drugs. Drugs, drugs, all drugs are a demonic doorway. A demonic doorway. Pornography. Another one that many, a lot of Christians are smoking pot, but a lot of Christians are involved in pornography. We know that the majority of Christians now are involved with pornography. The majority of Christian men and now even many women are addicted to it. That is demonic. I'm not saying if you slip up and look at pornography one time that, oh my gosh, you're demon possessed. I'm not saying that, but I am saying it becomes a besetting sin. 
We call The world calls it addiction. The Bible, Hebrews, calls it a besetting sin. And once it becomes that besetting sin, the addiction, you now have a demonic stronghold in your life. It will manifest in many terrible ways. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your intimacy. It will pervert your mind. You will think the sickest things. You will be led down a path of, 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 of sick things. And it's a battle that every man must fight and win or else there's a demonic foothold. Don't give Satan, don't give Satan a foothold. Uh, Ephesians 5, where, uh, Ephesians 4, where it talks about that. And sadly, now many women have the same brain damage, s- s- demonic strongholds. Same thing. Women are not, pornography is not made for women. It's made for men. It's made for the male brain. But if women start to look at it and keep on looking at it, there's a scientific studies on it right now that is bringing this out that many women, their brains get rewired and they start to process like a man does sexually and they get the same sexual addictions to pornography that men get. They shouldn't have it, but it's because their brain is damaged. It's rewired. And that's why so many women now are hooked on pornography when they shouldn't even think like that. It's, it's a demonic doorway. Believe me, pornography is demonic. I could tell you stories. I've had my, you know, I've, I've had to battle. Everybody has to battle this and, and stay away from it, but I've helped people get free of it. And I could tell you hair raising stories of demonic manifestations. Anybody who's got a serious demonic, uh, a serious pornography addiction, I, we, you could pray over them and it would manifest very quickly. Trust me. And it's not something you want to do. It's not something I ever want to do. But sometimes you can't help it. You got to break that stronghold. And it, it's powerful. Powerful. Fight it tooth and nail. It's demonic. I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg. A couple of things here. The tip of the iceberg today. We need to see all of it. The whole spiritual battle. We need to see it spiritually. We need to open our eyes. Open our eyes. Can you see? Can you see the true spiritual battle? It's vital if you're going to fight or you're just going to be a prisoner of war, a POW. It's vital that we learn how to fight. Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says this. In Second Corinthians 10 it says, Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. We have to learn to do that, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. We have to use God's Word and, and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, quoting the Word of God and fighting with the sword of the Spirit and prayer, intense prayer, to break the strongholds. It won't be done with the world. You can't do it by taking a pill. You can't do it with, you know, some worldly, you know, psychoanalyst. It's got to be through God's Word and through His power. And take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ Jesus. The choice is, will we, will we fight this battle or will we be a POW? Will we be taken out? Maybe you are still blind. Maybe you're blind because you've never been set free through Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never put your faith in Him. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Have you ever turned away from your sin and believed, put your, the word believe means to put your faith in, complete trust in Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith, giving your life to Jesus Christ? You can do that now. And maybe you've done that, and maybe you're fighting these battles, but maybe what has, has driven home, the Holy Spirit has driven home to your heart today, is maybe you just need to open your eyes and have hope. Open your eyes and see that God has it, that God has had it all the way. Whatever you're going through, God has had it all the way. Hold on to that hope. Hold on to those promises. Open your eyes and see God working. Whatever his purpose is, he's working it. Say, God, your purpose, your glory. Let's pray. Your prayer. Maybe it's God, open my eyes to see the spiritual reality to see the spiritual war, to trust you and have hope that you've got this and you've had it all the time. You've had it the whole way. Trusting you, looking at everything, not through human eyes, but through spiritual eyes. God, your purpose, your glory. Maybe... Maybe your eyes have been opened to the true spiritual battle and the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Maybe something we've talked about, the drugs or pornography or the, the, having a biblical worldview, not being pulled into counterfeit movements, counterfeit justice, but have biblical justice that is righteous and just. They have to be together. Maybe the Holy Spirit's opening your eyes to the true spiritual battle. That's vital if we're going to fight to fight this battle. Maybe you realize that you're a prisoner of war. You've never been set free. You're still under the power of King Ben-Hadad. You're still under Satan's power. You've never been fr set free from your sin. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and been born again. Spiritually born. Just like you were born physically, you must... Be born again, Jesus said. How? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his Son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place for our sin to wash us clean with his blood and to receive that what he has done for us, that gift that he has given us, we must believe in him. The word believe means to put your faith and your trust in, to totally cling to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I put my faith in you to forgive me. I repent of that garbage and the sin and the shame. I leave it behind. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you, Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just been set free. You are no longer a prisoner of war. You are no longer a zombie. You are no longer blinded by the God of this world. You have been set free. And whoever the Son sets free has been set free indeed. Father, I pray for each person, each of us, that we would continually keep our eyes open, continually see what you're doing, continually see what Satan's trying to do, 
that we'd be on our guard and fight with your weapons. We would fight this spiritual war. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's something you need help breaking, some stronghold in your life, find a good Christian brother or sister and break it. Uh, find a good church and, and get to the pastor or find a good Christian counselor. If you need help, email me, nh, nhcc at comcast.net, and I will help you or help, make sure someone helps you break free. And don't be afraid to ask for help. We all go through every battle. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Whatever you're battling, we all battle. And we all need help breaking. Uh, but also, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have, you're no longer a prisoner of war, but you're going to need help standing firm and fighting against Satan trying to take you captive again and sin in the world trying to take you captive again. You're going to need encouragement. And, and, and uh, so I want to, once again, let somebody know. You have a family member, a friend, good church. Somebody, tell somebody. And if you need to tell, you can't find anybody to tell, tell me. I'd be happy to be excited for you and help you get connected somewhere and grow in your faith and get grounded. Once again, nhcc at comcast.net. God bless and wait till you see the next follow through on this one, okay? God bless.